Happy 100th anniversary of the Heights Baptist Church. And of course, the Heights holds a special place in uh, the hearts of Jennifer and me as we've been a part of your church family. Several years ago, before we were involved in planning a church, uh, this was our church home, our church family. And of course, you prayed for us. And now as I serve the Southern Baptists of Virginia, your church is such a vital part of our gospel partnership. So thankful for the century of ministry and missions that this church has had. And I want you to know, on behalf of the over 700 Southern Baptists of Virginia, Virginia churches, we are thankful for your partnership in the gospel, and we celebrate with you today this marvelous milestone, and we look forward to seeing how God is going to use you in the years to come. So today we say congratulations, we say to God be the glory, and we're thankful that we stand with you on behalf of the Lord Jesus in making Him known across Virginia, around America, and really to the ends of the earth. Happy 100th anniversary. Well, good morning. That was Brian Autry, and he is the executive director of our State Baptist Convention. And as he mentioned in the video there, he's also a former member of the Heights, and we love and appreciate Brian. I'm thankful for his friendship, both individually and as the executive director for what he does for our churches around the state. And we're thankful that we're able to enter into a mission partnership with the SBC of Virginia. As I was thinking about that statement this week, thinking ahead to what I was going to say this morning, it dawned on me, I wonder how many of you know that the Heights Baptist Church started as a mission. Let me read you some of the notes from the history of that period. The Baptist Council of Petersburg and Vicinity, now known as the Petersburg Baptist Association, was organized on April 8, 1919. One week later, they conducted their first meeting, and the second motion made at that meeting reads, the chairman was asked to appoint a committee to investigate a location for a mission work in Colonial Heights. During July of that year, the 40 by 60 foot building was started, and by August, its completion was near enough to begin a Sunday school. The building was a cheap construction because they feared the work might not prove to be worthwhile. How many of you would agree with me this morning that it has proven itself to be worthwhile? Now, let's give God a hand. We are so thankful for what he's done in and through our church over the 100 years. And as we gather today to celebrate, we realize that from our inception as a mission to where we stand today, missions and evangelism have been uh, the heartbeat of our church. And as has been mentioned several times today, one of our core values is we live to tell. And that involves missions, and that involves evangelism. And we're excited this morning to have our missions pastor, Wes Rose, who's going to come and tell us what that looks like as we live it out day to day in 2020. Yes. Oh, thanks, Mike. And uh, as I was preparing for this and, and going through it, I was thinking, you know, Randy comes up here each week, and you don't see any notes. He just stands up here and just goes for like, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes. Um, but anyway, he has no notes. And I thought, you know what? As I've studied this right here and I've been through it twice, it, this close, they said, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to do it without notes. And I thought, man, what? You're crazy. Man, there's no way. You grab everything you have. Um, anyway, we want to thank you all for being here. Those who are, who are you know, came to our Columbia Heights campus, those who are out at Midlothian, 
And those who are out in cyberspace somewhere watching this thing through Facebook or streaming or whatever, uh, we want to welcome you all to be here and thank you for being with us today. Uh, like Mike said, I'm Wes. I'm the missions pastor here. I've been on staff since 2006 and my wife and I, Karen, uh, have been here for close to 30 years, right at 30 years. We've been a part of this. We've raised all four of our kids in the church. So the church has been a vital part of our life and uh, we're really, really excited about the future and what what it has to hold for us. Uh, like men, Mike mentioned, I think Dale mentioned as well, uh, this is our 100 year. We've been 100 years from 1920 to 2020. This is what we've been, we've been celebrating this. And rather than just picking, you know, one day or one Sunday over here, we've taken it and spread it out over six weeks over here, which each one of those six weeks hitting one of our core values that we have. And, uh, you know, my, this week is, is live to tell. And, uh, and I'm excited about it. I, I think it's important. Uh, I think it's, I wouldn't go into saying it's, it's more important over here because when you have six core values, if you look at those and you memorize those, uh, you realize that all six form together and complement each other. And if you take one of, those, one of those core values away, things just really get off balance over here. We spent a lot of time working on those. And it wasn't to come up with slogans or phrases, but it was like, you know, what, what got us here and what do we see is going to take us to the future going forward? Um, we're going to cover a lot of ground today. We're going to go around the world and back. And uh, so I'm asking you to jump on this plane over here. And I promise you, at the end of this thing, I will land this thing and you'll be glad you got on board. And uh, I've been, you know, I've, I've been talking a lot about kind of the, the out, what's going on with the church over here. But I'm the missions pastor, right? So you're probably thinking, hey, you know, why don't you talk about missions over here? My phone is getting blown up. They're like, Wes, please talk about missions. You know, so because you guys have asked, I'm going to go ahead and start on this and let you talk a, talk a little bit about missions of what we have going on over here and kind of, kind of what we have and what has gotten us here. Um, but what I want you to hear, because when you talk about living to tell, what I want you to understand and leave here with is, is you as an individual, us as a church over here, um, living to tell is, is what really fulfills us as, a, as, as an individual. It helps us go as a church. It helps sustain us. And it's, like I said, it's what has gotten us here. And you're going to see some of that as we go along. Um, missions and living to tell is really the story of the Bible. You know, if, if you look at Genesis, you have the creation. You have the fall of man. You have God, I mean, man trying to figure his way and get his way back to God. You see the, you see. What's happening in Genesis 11, that they're trying to make themselves great and get up to God by building a tower, right? The Tower of Babel, you've heard that in Genesis 11. And what God does is he confuses their language. And he said, no, I don't need them all right here. I need to, so he confuses their language and sends them out to the, around the uttermost parts of the earth, as, you know, as Acts 1.8 says. So we've got this, we've got this, we've got scattered around. And so the Bible being one book and one story, we have Genesis 11 people groups, people going around everywhere, and we, we fast forward to Revelation 7, where we see the, the, the great white throne over here, and they're, and they're praising God, every tongue, tribe, nation, every language over here. So the book of the Bible is basically from Genesis 11 to Revelation 7, we see, we see good, we see bad, we see ups, we down, see down, we see failures, and we see redemption. We see all these things, we see, we see all these life questions over here, and ultimately, we see what God's answer was, right? It's in the person of Jesus Christ. When we're talking about this, 
we've got to understand, hey, this is the story of the Bible. This is the story of our church. And for me personally, this is the story of me as an individual. And I'm going to flip the cage over here. Um, we talk about missions. We talk about strategy. The church right now is fitting somewhere in Acts, after Acts 28 and Revelation 7, right? Acts 28, Acts was the work of the church and going out. And Revelation 7 is this culmination of every tongue, tribe, and nation coming together. And so we have a strategy here at the church for doing missions. And it's not like a business strategy or whatever, but it is taking time, energy, resources, uh, the, the obedience that we, that we all have to come to the, the, the wrestle with. And I tell each one of my teens when they go out, you know, when you're, whether you're going to paint a building, whether you're going to mow somebody's lawn, whether you're taking door-to-door and sharing the gospel, whether you're handing out tracts, whatever you're doing, the only measure of success in God's economy is obedience. I mean, let that sink in because sometimes we go, we're like, well, you know, I, I did it. I, I, shared, I shared the gospel. I shared with a friend of our, and nothing happened. If God called you to share, you were obedient. You, you can lay down and I say, I've done what God wanted me to do. So I tell every one of my teams that before they go out. Hey, just be obedient to what God calls you to do. And then you can say, I've done, I've done what God did. And I can, I can rest, in, rest in, the, in, in the comfort of that. The two guiding principles that help us whether we're doing things here overseas or, or around our community is we know that we are called and commanded to go and to make disciples. And we know that we are to be his witness at home and around the world. Those two pieces, if you think about things that you hear about what we're doing, everything is either going to make disciples, growing people in their faith over here, and sharing the gospel at home and around the world to be his witness. Um, I found the most effective way to really, to, when you're talking about doing missions, is to develop partnerships. And that's what we've done. And basically, it's before when we, you know, a few years ago when we were first getting started in missions, we were doing a, a trip over here and a trip over here. And you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, each year we're looking, okay, where do we want to go this year? And they, and they were good, but they were one-timers, kind of a popcorn approach over here. But we found that developing partnerships where you were going not only to the same place, you know, once or twice over here, but in the, and going that, that developed, hey, listen, there's, there's something there. There's, our church is, is, is called, and we're kind of gifted to do this, and this is what they need. And so we're going to go back to the same place and develop a, a formal partnership. And there's two or three places that we've gone where it's been a strategic partnership, which means we, they're looking for us to come in and because, we, because of the teams that we bring in, they're excited about, oh, my, you're gonna, we're going we're gonna to help them get to where they want to be. And we have a partnership where we're like, hey, you've got to go to this place. If this is your skill, this is your ability, this is your talent, this is where you need to go. And so we've formed these formal partnerships. Uh, we have one in Nicaragua. We had a team that just got in last night. Uh, they got in late. So those who went to Nicaragua and came in today, I appreciate it. I appreciate more of the people that got here at 8 o'clock. But those who are here... Slept in a little bit. I still appreciate you guys being here. Um, we've, uh, we just got back last night. We've got two more trips queued up, one for July and one for November. Uh, we've got a formal uh, strategic partnership with Ukraine, and we've been there 10 years, and you're going to hear a little bit more about that next, you know, uh, a little bit later in the, in the service. But um, we've been there, and uh, gosh, with, 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 with Ukraine... It's just amazing what God has done. You're going to hear more about that. The other one was Zimbabwe. And we've been going there for probably eight or nine, eight or nine years, maybe six or seven years, eight or nine trips over there. And we have developed an incredible partnership with them. 
And so what, uh, what Kyle and I did is we, we, we went to Ukraine, right? Zimbabwe. Uh, in Zimbabwe, where we, that's where the team just got back. I want you to hear from Pastor Jeff Scorzell as, as he talks about what's happening in Zimbabwe and then how our church has come along and become a strategic partner with them. So turn your attention to the screens. Hi, I'm Jeff, and I'm the pastor of Bulawayo Baptist Church in Zimbabwe. And I know when you see me, you may not think, you know, I would be the pastor of a church in Zimbabwe being an American. But in 2011, God called my wife and I to come over here and pastor this wonderful church. And we just love doing it. Zimbabwe is a pretty unique country to minister in for a couple of reasons. One is it's got one of the highest unemployment rates in the whole world, about 90%. Um, Along with that, it also has one of the highest percentages of orphans. We've got about 12% of this country that doesn't have a mom and dad. And so one thing that's unique about doing church in a place like this is church happens more on Monday to Saturday than it actually does on Sunday mornings. We have to reach out and take care of a lot of needs here. Uh, For instance, in our community, uh, we do a lot of ministry to a place called Killarney. It's a squatter's camp. It's only about six miles outside of the main city, but there's over a hundred families that live there in some of the poorest conditions. We came across this ministry uh, by just going out into the community and seeing this poverty, and we really felt led that we needed to do something about it. So we've gone out there, and we actually are planting a church in this little squatter's village, and we bring a lot of the kids into our church, and they become part of our church family, which is really a great way to be a church, just take the family in. Another unique situation here in Zimbabwe is we have a lot of widows. And one thing that our church started doing is on Thursday mornings, just going to this vegetable market and asking these ladies, what can we pray for you about? And we would hear story after story is we're just hungry. Now, again, these are ladies that are doing their very best to try and support their families, but just don't earn enough. And so what we've started doing is an Adopt-A-Widow program. I know everybody in the world's got these adopted children, but here's some ladies that are actually trying to keep their children and provide for them. And so we started adopting them into our church family and providing little food parcels and praying for them. And as a result of that, we've now planted a little church out in this vegetable market. Now, I know that most people think church has to happen inside of a building, but we just believe wherever two or three are gathered in his name, that's a church. And so we've started planting these at the vegetable market. We've planted them at a craft store and just any place that anybody wants to listen to God's word, we'll plant a church there. Of course, in Zimbabwe, we have a problem where over 10% of our population are orphans. And so part of what we have to do as a church is take care of them. You know, James talks about that true and undefiled religion is taking care of the orphans and the widows, and we do that in a big way. We have two main projects we work with. One of them is called Harvest Family Village, where we're trying to create forever homes where we'll put eight children in a home and actually have a family for them. The other one is the Sandra Jones Center. And this is a pretty tough ministry because it's mainly sexually abused girls. But we've taken them in, we put them in a hotel, we let them start sharing their stories and becoming part of our church family. And as a result of that, we find out, you know, they're just normal kids like everybody else looking for love. And we find it's better to love them in God's family than to have them go search for love somewhere else.
One of the unique things about Zimbabwe is we have a need for everything. Uh, some people look at doing missions work as only coming and holding children or taking care of orphans, but we have everything you could want. If you are interested in building, we have projects that you could be involved with. If you have medical experience, we'd love for you to come and we can set up little clinics for you to come and minister to people. If you've got administrative skills, we would love to have you come and spend a week teaching people how to get better structured and organized. Uh, if you're a musician, we'd love you to come over here and work with and train some of the local musicians on how to do a better job at what they're doing. Another big area of need here is discipleship and training on how to study God's Word. Um, I know a lot of you know how to do the inductive Bible study. If you would ever want to come and help just sit down with people and show them how to systematically go through God's Word, we'd love to have you to come and help with that. As the pastor of Bulawayo Baptist Church, I just can't thank the Heights Church enough for your commitment that you've made to come and serve at our church. We've had at least eight teams come over here over the last few years and just been willing to do whatever we ask them to do. And so as the pastor of Bulawayo Church, thank you, Heights Church, for all that you've done for us. It is truly appreciated. Yeah, that's great. It's great to uh, get together and hear what Jeff and what we've done with the church. And, you know, it's, those are the type of strategic partners that we want to have, especially when we go overseas and, and, and work with the churches there. And uh, as a church, we've gone a lot of different places. And, of course, you know, we go back, still go back to Acts 1-8 where we're called to be his witness in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And I was kind of looking at, hey, this 100-year piece, and we've been around here how many places have we gone over here? And so there were some that I had to go find. There was a few, but probably in the last 10 to 12 years, you're talking about this place exploding over here with where we've gone and where we've taken the gospel over here. So anyway, we kind of, working with Mike, and we kind of had this kind of interactive map that he's going to throw up there, and he's going to show you kind of, we're going to hit uh, about one a second, the number of the, the countries that we've been to uh, just as a church where we've taken the gospel outside of the four walls. Okay, when you see that, I'm trying to remember what the last state, what the last country was. There are actually 47 countries up there that are that are lit up, which is pretty amazing. When you talk, looking at going to the ends of the earth, I think you guys took it seriously when we're talking about looking at where we're going. Um, what you don't see up there, and you can't see it from your seat over here, are little small countries like Trinidad and Tobago and St. Vincent's and the Grenadines that are down in the, uh, the, the Caribbean. You can't see the, the places that we've been. Uh, the other thing you don't see, this map doesn't show, is the number of times we've gone to a country. If you took uh, Nicaragua and Honduras uh, and, and Ukraine, you could look at it 12, 13 times, Honduras and Nicaragua 20, 21, 22 times, and other places we've gone back more and more. You're not seeing that on the map, and it doesn't show you that. The other thing you're not seeing is the number of people 
that we've sent out, that we've commissioned and sent out from here. And before, it was just a few here. There was, you know, small team, you know, ones and twos, and then there was a small team, and then we had a couple small teams, and then a bigger team. And uh, when you look at trying to track, like even like probably the last 10 years, when you're looking at going from anywhere from 60, 70, 80, 100, 130, 160 people that we've sent out each year, we've sent probably a couple thousand people that have left here and have taken the gospel overseas. And that's pretty incredible, incredible. And it's a, I love the map right there. Of all those th- couple thousands of people that we've sent out, there's always the individual, those who are going for the first time. And it's always, it's, it's exciting to me to hear somebody come up and talk to me and say, hey, listen, I'm really thinking about going, but I'm a little bit scared. Or I don't think I come up with the money. And to walk with them that as they go through and go on their first trip, it's pretty exciting, especially when you get the chance to go and experience that trip with them. It's, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. And uh, you get a chance, that's really kind of the, probably one of the best, I guess, rewards that I have as a missions pastor is to walk with somebody through, through that whole process of them going uh, you know, thinking about going and going and then well, how it really changes them on the backside of it. We've had folks that have gone, they've gone ones and two, and sometimes they'll go back and they'll say, now I want to go back, and they'll go back for the second, third, fourth time. Sometimes they pick a place and they're like, hey, I, this is, I love this place. I'm going to go back year after year. And so we have some of those. We have people, we have two young ladies that have gone and spent, spent three or four months in Peru just for the, the, for the entire time. We've had... Uh, We've had a young lady spend, spend two years in Russia. I, I'm not mentioning names, but I, I mentioned the country. Uh, we had uh, folks that sent, uh, spent three years teaching English in China at the university there. Uh, we've had two that have done world race and spent 11 months just going over the whole globe over here to do that and going out and, and spreading the gospel. And uh, there are two units that we have, two people, two families that are actually in Ukraine right now. And so Kyle Gibson and I went over to Ukraine last fall, and we got a chance to sit down and talk with, with Todd Gallagher and his family. And uh, we got some video of him, because I wanted y'all to hear firsthand kind of what, what was happening in Ukraine. And he's going to share kind of not only about what they're doing, but kind of what got him there and the impact that, that, that he's having and that we are having as a church over in Ukraine. So if you turn your attention to the screen again. My name is Todd Gallagher, and uh, I have been uh, the missionary to Ukraine here for, well, coming up on two years. So, so here we are at the church where, where we do a lot of our work out of. Uh, as I said, I've been here two years, but there was a, a lot of intentional steps that uh, had to make, that my family had to make. And by the way, I have a family of five, counting myself, uh, two older daughters and, and a younger son and my wife, who... Uh, we brought over here and of course we had to make some adjustments in our life to be able to come here and that didn't just start right when we jumped on the plane to come here we did a lot of intentional things uh, at the church outside of the church living out our faith uh, really I think to prove to ourselves that the Lord uh, was uh, really in on this with what what we envisioned him doing in and through our lives. So being active, not just active in the church, but taking a a very service-oriented role in our community and within the church. When we came over here, we didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know uh, really what our ministries were going to entail. We had ideas, 
but the doors opened up for us as, as we came here and we, we, we took the faithful step and the doors just kept opening up for us. One of the things that, that we had done early on when we started coming here was um, working with uh, Pastor Leonid here to acquire a, a home out in the village area, a very far remote village that has been turned into a drug and alcohol rehab center. Really, it's a, an addiction rehabilitation center, so there's a things that, that help uh, fight against addictions. One of my good friends at the rehab center is uh, Sergei Dotsenko, and, and Sergei is somebody who came out of that rehabilitation center, went in as a drunkard, had a daughter, had a wife, his family was falling apart, and, and he's come out of that. Now he is the director of the rehabilitation center, and really one of one of my dearest friends here. Uh, has got my son involved in hockey, uh, is a huge part of the church here uh, as far as activities and, and getting out people out, and um, is a really an amazing story. Меня зовут Сергей, мне 49 лет, я родом из Винницы, жил, учился, служил в армии, после армии женился, работал, работал в основном водителем на дальних рейсах и не знал, а до этого не знал Бога, жил своей жизнью, обычной, мирской. Потом начались какие-то проблемы, увлечение алкоголем, чрезмерное увлечение алкоголем. В итоге развалилась семья, и в, примерно в 2011 году я столкнулся с проблемой, как жить дальше. И э, через знакомых э, узнали об этом центре, э, об этом центре, и э, я приехал сюда, пробовал здесь полгода, здесь услышал о Христе, услышал. Евангелие, услышал о том, что Бог любит нас и уверовал. И так остался служить в центре, потому что, ну даже не знаю почему, так Бог повел, так я остался здесь служить и нашел здесь свою семью, обрел семью свою и стал служителем здесь. Мы имеем хозяйство и другим людям рассказываю то, что со мной сделал Бог. Такое служение мы им здесь хозяйство, здесь находится 8 человек, ребят, которые тоже имеют некоторые проблемы с алкоголем, с наркотиками, криминалом. Здесь они имеют возможность слышать о спасении, обретать это спасение, каяться, имеют возможность кушать, спать, не думать пока о том, что будет завтра в плане финансового. Ну и до этого работает вся церковь, мы пасты. Сейчас, слава Богу, я женился еще здесь самого, что было до моего прихода сюда и сейчас. То есть, когда я пришел сюда, жизнь была полностью разрушена. Вот моя семья распалась, мы внутреннее состояние. Сейчас все восстановлено. Я служу Богу, имею жену. Слава Богу. Отличные отношения из прошлой жены, с семьей прошлой отличные, с дочерью отношения. Все слава Богу. Every chance you get, you, you, you serve. You look to serve in your community. You look to serve in and through the church. If you're not doing it here at home, what makes you think you're going to do it overseas? Also, we work here with the youth, uh, going out with the, the youth and, and Saturdays and Sundays, getting with the teens and then getting with the older youth, 
going to orphanages, going out and doing, uh, we call it Love 380. I don't, I'm not sure you've heard of that before. Love 804 maybe, but uh, we've, we've taken, uh, again, things that we've been doing all along at the church in the Heights and bringing them here. Um, not reinventing the wheel, but loving on people, just like we really tried to love on people back at the Heights, doing that same thing with, with our congregation here. Jumping in on the English as a second language uh, at the Heights was another huge uh, opportunity that we took advantage of. Teaching English there week in and week out, uh, working with the team there. Now, one of my best tools, English as a second language. What I came to find out was that native speakers were not so plentiful. And so when they heard that there was a native speaker conducting the class, being able to, to teach uh, using scripture references to teach English, it has been one of my best ways to reach unbelievers with the gospel. We love it here. We uh, really feel uh, our place here. So a lot of opportunities that, that we have here in, in reaching the lost for Christ. Uh, it has been a fantastic time so far. And we are really excited as to what the Lord's going to do in the future with us. Uh, you know, we don't know, but we want to be moldable clay for whatever He would have for us to do. But, but uh, we are so honored to serve in this manner, honored to, to be your missionaries here in Ukraine. And, and we thank you so much for your prayerful and financial support. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun going over there and talking to him and be able to see some of the things that he was sharing, you know, face to face and meet some of the people and put some names with faces and things like that when, when we went over. Um, there's a, I could spend a whole lot of time talking about the different things that he did to prepare his family to go over there and more about the work. But there's a couple things I want to talk about in particular. Uh, the first one, he used the term, you know, Love 380, okay? That's the country code for Ukraine. Uh, it's basically doing the same thing we're doing with Love 804. He's doing it, Love 380. And it's been, it's been very successful over there. It's been very successful here. When you think about us introducing that term and us doing out, we have sent out, wow, probably thousands of people that have done, gone in our area and done work. We've spent probably tens of thousands of man hours doing Love 804 projects. We've been in schools. We've done parks. We've done the state park. We've done the bicycle race up in Richmond. People have gone through and done things for their neighbors. All of this is Love 804, which is an incredible thing. And there's a lot of people that have gone on mission trips. But that's not the end goal. And this is where, this is where things, it, it gets, things start changing. And this is really what, really what I want you to understand is to go on a mission trip is not the end goal. To do something good for your neighbor is not the end. What we're doing when we're doing these things, these type of things, mission type things, is we are developing relationships, relations with individuals one-on-one -on -one with the opportunity that we can share the gospel with them. And we talk about having, and this is a church. Of course, we're going to talk about sharing the gospel. We're going to sing about it. But I'm talking about everyday life over here. Acts 1.8 says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, be my witness. As you, you know, and... I want to focus on being his witness. If there was a, if there was a, a crash right out here, a corner of Jeff Davis and Harrogate, right? A crash comes over here, two cars collide over here, police get here. They're saying, they come up and they're looking, hey, was anybody here? Who saw this? 
Did you see this? Did you see this? Who, who can tell me what happened? Okay, what they're looking for is a witness. They want to see what happened. And so if they want to know, hey, this driver said this, this driver said this, but people saw what happened, okay, tell me what happened. And so they tell them what happened. What did you see? And the next person says, hey, what did you see? They want to get to the truth. And what's better than one person doing that is if they have, they have five or six eyewitness accounts. All five, five or six people said, yeah, this is what I saw. This is, you know, this, this, and, they, and all those stories corroborate, collaborate, corroborate. Um, all those things that we hear, they all tell the story. He's saying, Jesus is saying, when you become a Christian, be my witness, okay? And we're saying, what do, what do you mean be his witness? How would you be his witness, okay? This is where it comes down. You don't have to go overseas over here. Being his witness you look at the loss. When you talk to your coworkers, when you talk to your neighbors, this is going on. This is going on. There, there's fighting. There's uh, when they when they talk about when they talk about murder. We talk about stealing. We talk about people with just foul mouths. Whatever people talk about racism. Jesus is saying when you're hearing all this stuff over here, when you have broken hearts and people are splitting up, and all, when you hear those, Jesus is saying, "Be my witness. You are the one who has the answer." You have got to believe. You've got to know and you've got to believe. When I hear things around me, I'm to be God's witness. I'm the only one who can say, hey, I saw what happened. I know what happened, okay? And, and what is that we're talking about what happened? We're talking about I know what God did in my life. I know that Jesus died, was buried, rose again, and it's in him that I believe over here. And I've got to be his witness. That's the answer to everything that's going on. To when you talk to people, and this is where things get a little bit dicey because I'm talking to the church over here. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to people that most people have done that. And, and they're like, yeah, I, I got saved whenever it was, whether it's five years ago, 10 years ago, 40 years, 50 years ago. Um, we see people trying to, to come up with the answers on their own. We see addictions to drug, alcohol. People go over here, fame, egos, all these things over here that people go. We people doing likes over here, trying to go viral on different things over here. We see a lot of things happening um, to try to find purpose, meaning, and all of this that, that we have the answers to. And then and when we have the answer, we're looking for that. We, we also go to, for solutions. We go to people. We go to relationships. We go to entertainment. And this is crazy. I can't believe I'm saying this. I may have to cut this out. We go to politics to answer those questions. I don't care whether you're Republican or whether you're Democrat. The answers are not found in, in men and women that are, that are making man laws. Laws come. Laws change over here. You got to, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted with what you're hearing. Understand, we have the answer. We have the answer. The answer is in Jesus Christ over here. And you heard, you heard Sergei said, right? Did y'all hear what he said? Okay, the Sergey from Ukraine. Okay, now I listened to it the first time. I didn't understand a word he said, but then I realized second service there were subtitles. So hopefully you read the subtitles in here and understood what he said. I was just like, man, I, I put two minutes of this guy and I don't understand a word he's saying. Um, you saw, he, he talked about what his life was. His life, he said, was imploding. He was living for himself. He, everything was falling apart. But then Jesus came into his life over here. When you're, when you're being his witness, when you're hearing the negativity around, when you're looking at the complaining over here, please don't look for, for false or temporary solutions, okay? Understand what's really, what's going to change somebody's heart? 
We're just going to, the, the brokenness over here, the bitterness over here, what's going to, there's only one thing that's going to change that, and that's in Jesus. We've got that answer. And it's in that answer, and that's the reason why we live to tell. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for each person that's here. We thank you for the blessing that you've given us to be uh, a church over here that's been here for 100 years, Father. This 100 years has seen, has seen presidents come and go. They've seen world wars. They've seen conflicts. They've seen difference in, in society, Father. We've seen a lot of changes over here. But we know the one thing that hasn't changed is you, your gospel, and what you've did in our lives, Father. Help us to be strong. Help us to be your witness, Father, in our neighborhoods, Father, on the job in our Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and yes, Father, to the ends of the earth. We thank you for the blessings for that, and we pray that we're faithful in what you've called and the, and the opportunities that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, when you go outside in the, in the concourse, you're going to see, if, if, you're, if you've been thinking about going on a mission trip, hey, there are team leaders there. They're, they're, you want to get involved with that. You want to find out more information. They're out there. We have some core, some, some cornerstone pieces of our Love 804, They're really partners that we've come up with, whether it's a pregnancy center, we've got uh, our military missions coming up here, military is starting up over here, jail, jail ministry going on. There's a lot of things you can go with, a lot of things you can do over here with, if you're builders over here, we've got our Love 804 builders you can get involved with. Go out there, find your spot, find your place to serve, and remember, just remember when you go home, when you go to work, don't get distracted over here. Know that, know that you know what God has done in your life over here and be his witness. Thank you. Yes, we thank Wes for sharing with us this morning, telling us some of the things we've got going on. But more than that, more importantly, reminding us of the reason. Reminding us of what we're about when we live to tell, that we're telling people about Jesus Christ and what he's done. You know, we thank Wes for all the opportunities he gives us, both locally and globally, to share the gospel and to go out. But, you know, we can provide tons of opportunity, but it still boils down to what are you and I as individuals going to do with it. You know, are we excited enough about what Christ did for us, that we who were sinners received a Savior who came to earth, who died on the cross, paid the price for our sins, that we might have life. Does that make so much difference in our lives that we can't help but tell others? That's what we live to tell is all about. And so I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. You challenge me. Let's go out and reach the world. Let's actually tell them of the good news of Jesus Christ. I wanted to share very quickly. I had somebody come up to me after the last service, a young lady who's just gone on one of our Nicaragua trips, and she said, I'd kind of been thinking I wanted to go to all the places at some point. She said, after I went to Nicaragua, said it was so overwhelming. It was so great, but so overwhelming that I thought, you know, maybe I'll uh, not do Africa. And then she said, I sat and listened to the video, and he said, if you've got administrative skills, you come. She goes, I can administrate until people are sick of administration. So now i got to go to Africa. What's God calling you to do? Is it Africa? Is it Nicaragua? Is it the Ukraine? Is it prison ministry? Military ministry? Richard Bland? We've got things going on all over the place. Find your place to serve. Find your place to tell. But you know, there may be some of you here today and you're listening to all of this and listening to us talk about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that we're all sinners 
who falls short of the glory of God. But still, God loved us enough that he sent his son to come, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sins. He defeated death, sin, and the grave that you and I might have everlasting life. You're hearing that message, and yet it's never become real to you. Maybe today's the first time you've ever heard it, or you've heard it, but you've kind of been trying to sort it out and trying to figure it out. But you feel God speaking to you this morning in a special way. You want to know more. You, you want to go ahead and do something about it. As we conclude the service, we've got a lot of tables set up, but back in front of these big windows right in the middle is our connection desk. as a sign over top of it. And there are folks sitting out there waiting to talk to you about Jesus, waiting to talk to you about the gospel and what a difference it can make in your life. And they'll take as long as you want. They'll answer all of your questions. They'll share with you what the Bible says. And they will tell you how you can have a real and a personal relationship with a Savior who loved you enough to die for you. Or maybe you're here today and you're looking for a church home and you've been listening and you think, wow, I want to be a part of a church that says we live to tell. Well, you go out to that very same desk, that connection desk, and there are folks there who will talk with you about how you can join our church. So you can go out to that desk and tell them, I want to know more about Jesus. You can go out to that desk and you can tell them, I want to join this church. Or if you're a first-time visitor, we've got a gift for you at that desk. Or you can go out to that same connection desk and just tell them, I'm a first-time visitor. And they'll share that gift. Because we appreciate you taking the time to come and be here with us today. As we're mentioning all the tables that are out there in the concourse, I want to share with you one special table. It's over here in front of the playground, and it is related to Windshape. Last year during the summer, we partnered with the Windshape Foundation and with Chick-fil-A and presented a Windshape camp here on our campus. And so the kids came up here every day for a week. We had hundreds of kids coming. We had dozens of kids making decisions for Christ. And we're going to do it again this summer, and it's almost time for registration to get started. So if you have children, grandchildren, you may want to go out there and stop at the wind-shaped table and talk with Eric and the others that are out there and learn more about this year's camp, when it starts, all the details of that. We would encourage you to do that along with hitting the mission tables. And one final thing before we leave, I want to remind you that this Wednesday will be the first Wednesday of the month, and that's when we gather together in a time of prayer on Wednesday night. The adults gather in this room at 6.30. We take the first 20 minutes of the evening just to pray together. Our youth are meeting up in the youth center doing the same thing, and our children are doing that in the children's department. So we've got our entire building being bathed and flooded with prayers on Wednesday night as we pray together. So plan on being here Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We'll do 20 minutes of prayer, and then we'll go into our other activities. I mean, at 6.30, we'll go into our other activities. And so be a, plan to be a part of that special prayer time. And so as we leave here, go out and tell. Thank you.